Hi everybody, Mike Wardrock from Encounter Church here, and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. I think Christians are known for being incredibly weird about sex. Like, I think when the world looks at the church's relationship with sex, if they were to even think about us even uttering this word in church, a lot of people would freak out. Maybe it's your first time in church and you can't even believe we're allowed to say that word in church because there's been so many strange pictures painted, right, of of sex and church and Christianity. But the truth is, is that sex wasn't the world's idea. It was actually God's idea. And that the sex wasn't meant to be this shameful thing kept away in the corner of society, hidden from view and not spoken about. But it's actually a part of God's heart for his people is that we would have flourishing, good sex lives. And everyone said, amen. Uh, It's actually his heart. Um, but Christians have been weird about it, and, and I think to a degree, um, rightly so, like what we believe about sex, what we believe as Christians about sex is weird, and it's worth acknowledging that. Like it's worth acknowledging that the way we view sex as believers isn't actually like how the world views sex. And that's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. Our point of difference here is actually we place a higher value on it than any other sphere of society. We actually believe it's more powerful, more meaningful, more deep, more profound um, than what the world has actually taught us. So yeah, the Christian view of sex is is odd to people, but I think when we get our head around it, it's beautiful, it's powerful, and it's meant to be anything but shameful. Um, I started going to this barber a year ago, and um, and he's, he's actually from the Middle East, he moved over here, uh, you know, in the later half of his life, and after a few haircuts, he figured out that I was a pastor, and, um, and we're having a conversation, and the first thing he said to me is like, bro, I couldn't do what you're doing. I'm like, why not? He's like, because you're not allowed to have sex. And I'm like, you do know I have three children. (laughs) I'm like, you do know how that happens, right? And it's not because we've only had sex three times. Like, it's like, it's like, like, you do know how this happens. And he, so, but it just revealed to me, like, the world's perception of like, I couldn't do what you do because my, my understanding of Christian sexuality is so restrictive, so lame, so boring, so terrible. But when we actually get into the Word of God and see God's heart for sex, we actually discover that His heart for sex is not dull, it's not boring, it's not unattainable, it's beautiful, it's deep, it's profound. And I would even go as far to say it was designed to be fun in the right context, in Jesus' name, right? So... I love sex because God loves sex. And I'm confident saying that to you today because I'm so sure of the heart of God for this area of our, of our faith that's actually been, uh, had so many wrong views about. The first thing I want to let you know today, number one is this, is that sex was God's idea. Sex was God's idea. We roll back all the way to the book of Genesis. We find Adam and Eve, right, rocking it out in the garden there. And God, God sits them down and he gets, he's getting ready to give them their first commandment. Okay, the first thing, the first mission, the first objective that he is going to give Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis. Okay, and this is how I think a lot of people would think this was going to play out. We think, okay, God sits Adam and Eve down. He's like, all right, guys, I've got some work for you to do. I want you to get some bricks. I want you to start building a church building. Let's get an altar. Let's get the seats ready. We need to, we need to run unlimited church services here in the Garden of Eden. It's my number one agenda, right? But that wasn't his first commandment. His first commandment wasn't actually to get into church. It was to get into bed. God's first commandment was to have sex. So if you don't believe me, 
So we're going to read it, okay? Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. God speaking to Adam and Eve. He says, then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. And in case you're wondering, there is only one way to multiply. And it's by having sex. So this first command that God gives to Adam and Eve is actually a command to have sex, which tells me that God's heart and delight is actually for sex. God is behind sex. He thinks it's beautiful. It's so important to him that he says the first stop on the agenda for Adam and Eve is to have sex. And all the men said, amen, 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 right? So, so it's safe to say that in the beginning, sex, right? In the beginning, sex. By God, by God saying this, right? He's saying that this is something I've made. This is something I want you to enjoy. And this is something that is a gift. It's a gift. It's a beautiful thing. And he's giving this gift to Adam and Eve. He's saying, I want you to engage in this and begin to multiply what I've placed in you into the world. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but I, um, I have a love-hate relationship with Ikea. If there's anyone... Who's an Ikea lover in the house? Give me a wave. Who's like a... Who's like a... Wow. <laughs> I wish you were that responsive to the scripture. Um, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm, joking. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I feel very at home, but we're only five minutes in. And, so, um, I, 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 have, I, I hate IKEA, actually. When I go there, I, like after about half an hour, I feel very like claustrophobic and I just want to get out. I want to escape and you can't because they've like mapped out a rat track that you have to follow and it's... But the thing I struggle the most with, it, and not just if I care with anything, is this whole idea of like following a manual, right? It, it insults my pride. I'm like, I don't want you to tell me how to assemble this. I'll figure this out on my own, right? And uh, there's probably a lot of men in the house who also have that, uh, that vein in them. Uh, my wife loves it. She's all about the Allen key, the instruction manual, everything. Uh, but the, the truth is, and this has happened enough times to me now to have my pride broken and know that I need that little Swedish manual if I'm going to have any hope of assembling this thing, um, is that... If I don't read and follow the instructions of a designer, right, I'll actually break the very thing that I'm trying to make, okay? And for real, I, I've, I'm in a great relationship with my wife now. We've got three kids. We're not having any more. Uh, we're going to make sure that doesn't happen. But, um, but before that, before we were married, I was in a really life-giving relationship. Uh, I was in a relationship with a girl before Hannah that actually got really sexually messed up and there were some mistakes that I made there that really actually caused me a lot of heartbreak, a lot of grief. And I know there's probably people sitting in this room today and you might be looking at me as a pastor and thinking, you know what, this guy's got it all together. He's had a, a perfect track record. The reality is before I followed God's manual, I actually made a lot of mistakes. And instead of making something great, I actually broke a lot of things in my own heart by making some mistakes. And, and this is what I've learned about sex and about God's heart for sex is this, is that the reason we, we often break up and relationships break down and, and, and people get hurt in ways that are sexually binding is this, is because we're not actually reading the manual that God laid out for us. And what I, I'm not saying we, didn't, we don't read a manual. We read plenty of manuals. We read the manual of Instagram, what Instagram's telling us, what our Netflix shows are telling us, what our subscriptions are telling us, what our podcasts... It's not like we're not reading instructions here. It's actually just that we're reading the wrong ones. And we've got to go back as believers and understand that the Word of God is the source of our worldview. 
The Word of God is our final authority. The Word of God is our Google. It's the place we turn and look to to figure out how we are to build a life that actually reflects the heart of God. Right? And the one who wrote the book on sex has some different things to say to what is being written now. It has something very different to say to what Netflix is going to teach you, Instagram is going to teach you, pornography is going to teach you, because ultimately those things are going to teach you the same thing. They're going to teach you that sex is whatever, whenever, with whoever. Whatever, whenever, with whoever. And almost anything you watch or listen to is going to tell you that. I'll tell you, but having sex with a lot of people is not only okay to do, but it's good for you. Because ultimately what our culture has taught us is that sex is not deep, it's disposable. And disposable things are used for a time and then thrown away when they're no longer useful to you. Maybe there's people in this room saying, you know exactly what I'm talking about, Right? Maybe, maybe there's people in this room today and, and you feel like you've been used in a sexual way. Maybe abused in a sexual way. Cheated on. Relationships that got sexual and ended badly. You were fine for a one-night stand and then the next morning felt emptier than ever. And here's my challenge today for all of us is this. Is if, is, if sex isn't disposable, if sex is, if, sex is, if, just, if sex is just this disposable thing that we can throw away, then why is it so devastating when it ends badly? We know that it's not true. But despite what culture yells at us and teaches us, that sex is not disposable, it's deep. And deep things, treated like disposable things, become devastating things. When you treat a deep thing like a disposable thing, it becomes a devastating thing. And that's why our culture has been so devastated sexually, is because we've actually treated something that's deep like it's disposable. This wedding ring on my finger, it's actually just a piece of metal, right? But if I was, if I was to throw this in the bin, it would be devastating for my wife. Why? Because it symbolises something far deeper than just a chunk of metal around my finger. Wow. You understand what I'm saying? If I treated this deep thing like a disposable thing, it would become a devastating thing. And the reason our culture has so much sexual brokenness is because we have treated something deep like it's disposable. We're reaping the consequences of it and now we don't know what to do. Wow. The second thing I need you to know today is this, is that sex is not disposable. It's not disposable. Maybe what we've been fed is actually a lie. Maybe we've been trying to convince ourselves that it's disposable and it's destroying us from the inside out. And maybe there's people watching Today, maybe you're in the room today, maybe you're listening on the podcast today, maybe you're a believer, maybe you're not a believer, but you've gone from sexual experience to sexual experience because you believed it was disposable, but it's only left you feeling emptier. And it's because, friend, you've been fed a lie that it's a disposable thing when God's heart is that it's actually an incredibly deep thing. And you'll never find peace until you realise what sex is really about. There's this wild passage in uh, Proverbs chapter 5, verse 15 to 20. I decided to pull out the uh, message paraphrase just to make it even more wild um, for you. You can read it. The, the original is just as wild. This doesn't actually make it any more crazy. But, but I want you to listen to the intensity of, what, of what, <laughs> what God's actually saying here. Proverbs 5, 15 to 20 says, Enjoy the wife you married as a young man, lovely as an angel. And all the women said, Amen. Amen. Uh, 
beautiful as a rose, don't ever quit taking delight in her body. Never take her love for granted. This is what I want to focus on. Why would you trade enduring intimacies for cheap thrills with a whore? Holy moly. For dalliance with a promiscuous stranger. Why would you trade enduring intimacy for cheap thrills? Wow. It's because we haven't been taught that sex is about intimacy. We've been taught that it's about cheap thrills. But sex was designed to glue you to another human being and bring you to a level of intimacy that a cheap thrill cannot give you. And when we start to understand the revelation of what sex really is and how God really designed it, we start to value it to a level that it's never been valued in our lives before. There are two things that are often said about sex. The first one is this, I'm in it for a good time, but not for a long time. The second is this, I don't want anything serious. The first lie we often believe is that we're in it for a good time, not a long time. Well, here's the truth. You can't sleep with someone and have a good time and not carry a piece of that person with you for a long time. It's a lie to believe that you can have a good time sexually and not carry it for a long time personally. The other lie we often believe is, well, I don't want anything serious. I don't want anything serious, but but here's the thing. When we actually enter into sexual relationship, whether we know it or not, it just got serious. It's going to seriously stick with you. It's going to seriously get into your emotions. It may even seriously affect future partners, right? This is the thing. Me and my first girlfriend, we we made sexual mistakes in that relationship that were out of the bounds of what God had for us. And I carried that memory and what attached itself there for years until God brought healing to my life. See, it wasn't just a cheap thrill. It wasn't something that was a good time. It was something that stuck with me for a long time because here's the thing. Our lives were designed to be held together in the union of marriage with deepening sexual intimacy over time. Sex is a deep thing. How can we say that from the Word of God? Mark chapter 10, verses 6 to 9. This is Jesus speaking. He says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. What God has joined together, let no one separate. Sex is God's way of joining two people together in a way that was designed to be inseparable. See, what God does is he makes two people one. What the devil does is he tries to make one people two. He tries to bring division into our marriages, into our lives and into our sexualities. When one person sleeps with another, they're becoming one flesh and the deepest parts of them are being joined together, right? They're being joined together. You're being joined together physically. You're being joined together emotionally and you're being joined together spiritually, physically in your body, emotionally in your heart and spiritually in your soul. There is a connection being made. See, it's not just our bodies being joined. It's actually every single part of us. It's far deeper than what we've been taught and what we've seen. There's this thing you'll see in like a lot of movies and uh, shows and, and it's, it's almost become a joke but they call it like the walk of shame you know what I'm saying like the, the morning after like a one night stand or some kind of like sexual thing they're sneaking out the window and there's the laugh track going and everyone's laughing about it and they're trying to get out and it's it's kind of painted as this this funny thing but what they don't tell you about the walk of shame is how long the walk of shame can last after 
is that it doesn't end when you get in the car. It can actually follow you for a very long time. And what I felt the Holy Spirit showing me this morning is that some of you are still doing a walk of shame. And it's not because there's been things that are happening right now. It's but you're still walking in shame from stuff that's happened in your past. And can I tell you today, but if you're walking in shame, you have just walked into the right place today. Because this is not a place of shame. It's a place of forgiveness. It's not a place of condemnation. It's a place of peace. I'm a living testimony. You can actually stuff your life up so bad that God can turn you around and still make you pure and still make you whole and give you a family and give you a future. Come on. If you've walked into this place in shame today, can we let every single person know that this is the perfect Perfect place to be if that's how you feel on the inside. Jesus is in the business of exchanging shame for forgiveness. The walk of shame is what you do when you're walking into prison. But when you get saved, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you're not walking into prison, you're walking out of prison. It's no longer the walk of shame, it's the walk of freedom. It's the walk of life. It's the walk of salvation and forgiveness. Come on, in Jesus' name. And the third thing I want you to know today is this. I'm going to wrap up soon so maybe someone can join me on that beautiful, what is that? A nectar. Nectar. (laughs) Sounds like honey. I could put that in a jar and spread it. Um, (laughs) Third thing I want you to know today is this, is that sex has restrictions. Sex has restrictions. You remember the crazy bushfires that happened, you know, just like last year? And so much has happened between now and then. It's crazy to think that that was so, so close. I mean, poor ScoMo, the guy's had a pretty rough trot, you know, what he's, what he's been leading our nation through over the last couple of years. Um, but I think, I think about the bushfires, I think about the devastation that was caused, I think about how out of control it was. And do you remember the fear that was bleeding through the media about, we don't know if we can even stop this thing. This thing has started and we don't even know if we're going to be able to stop it because of this fire that was out of control. I'll tell you what the government didn't do. They didn't ban fire. They didn't say, you know what, from this point on, there will be no fire in Australia. No birthday candles, don't even think about it. (laughs) Right, they didn't do that. What they did is they put in fire restrictions, okay, which which indicate where and when you can light the fire in a way that's going to be safe. Because they know that if fire isn't restricted, it will get out of control. See, the restrictions are there to help us experience fire in a way that's helpful and not harmful. So many people have interpreted the Christian teaching on saving sex for marriage, right, as a sign that God hates sex. Well, it's about as silly as saying that the government hates fire. They don't. He doesn't hate sex. He's just putting restrictions on it so that it can become helpful and not harmful. So God says, I'm going to restrict sex between a man and a woman who have made a lifelong commitment to each other. And they aren't just committed to your body, they're committed to you. And they're not just there for a good time, they're there for a long time. They're there because they want something serious and they actually take you seriously. Can I just speak to the girls for a minute in the house of God? Don't let any punk want to take something from you before he is willing to commit to you. If he won't take you seriously, don't give him the time of day. 
Because anyone who wants your body more than they want to commit their life to you is not the kind of person you want in their life. Just like we couldn't have possibly imagined the devastation that an unrestricted fire would make in our nation, we could not have imagined the damage that unrestricted sex is actually having on our generation. God says, you thought I said no to hurt you, but what I want you to catch today is that God didn't say no to sex outside of marriage to hurt you. He said no to sex outside of marriage to help you, to set you up to live a life, come on, full of joy, intimacy, depth in the presence of God. And some of you are here today because maybe, maybe you feel like that fire has gotten out of control. And no matter what you do, you can't seem to put it out. Maybe it's been person to person. Maybe it's a pornography addiction. Maybe it's inner brokenness or loneliness. Can I tell you something today? You are in the right place. Because Jesus has come to bring freedom and to bring forgiveness and to bring life. He said the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But I came to give you life and life to the full. And God's heart. For sex is not to take from you, is not to steal from you, is not to remove something good from your life. It's to make sure that when that good thing comes, it stays a good thing year on year, decade on decade. In Jesus' name, God's heart is for you and not against you. The truth is on the cross is that Jesus ran into the flames that were meant to consume you. He threw you out and let himself be consumed instead. On the cross, he took the punishment for every sexual sin, for all of our brokenness. And he says, for those who trust in my name, you can be born again. Born again is such an old school statement, but I love it. You know why I love it? Because the perfect picture of what it means when you start a journey with Jesus. When, when you get saved, when you place your faith in Jesus, it's as if it was the first day of your life. You were born again. I saw my little son for the first time come out, Gabriel. I was quite, we, like, quite faint. But also overwhelmed with joy. I'm, look, I'm looking at this little kid and he's just crying for his mum and... And I heard, my, I heard my wife say his name for the first time. And I'm like, because <laughs> she was saying it not as my wife anymore, but as a, as a mum. It was like his different tone. It was beautiful. And you know what? I, when I held him in my arms for the first time, this kid's got no history. Nothing has ever happened to him. As I'm holding him, in my, I'm looking at the purity of his new life. And, and, and that is exactly what Jesus offers to every single person who put faith in his name and trust in him. You're born again in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you were able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We would love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to financially support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.